I basically, this was my first part of considering suicide. And this was seventh grade. I, I had been dealing with this depression for a while, but it got really bad here. I literally wrote my notes. I put them in my nightstand for my mom and my dad. I went out and I laid in my front lawn and I'm sitting there, I'm texting on my like QWERTY keyboard flip phone to like one of my good friends and um, I'm like, I, I can't do this. Hey everyone, welcome back to I've Been Better. We are rounding out the end of season four, which is pretty incredible. We are in the last couple weeks of October and I, as your host, Susan Youngstead, am loving the season of fall and we are preparing for the holidays. So I'm so excited to bring you our final episode of season four before we dive into recording the rest of season five as we prepare for the new year. Uh, So we'll be taking a little bit of a break from recording as the holidays come and just enjoying time with friends and family. And if anyone knows me personally, the holidays are one of my favorite times of the year. I have a little bit of an obsession. And so I'll be spending all of my time doing anything related to Christmas and Christmas lights and gift giving, if possible. A little bit about I've Been Better if you're new here. We are a podcast that likes to turn on the mic for others to share their stories with the world. We are a storytelling podcast where we invite guests from my personal life, from my partner's personal life, professional life, people we've met on the street. I haven't had any of those people yet, but maybe one day where we'll have someone who wants to be on this podcast and we feel safe to invite them into our home to record this podcast. And we want to share their stories and get them out there because we at IBB believe that everyone has a story that deserves to be heard by others. So today I have a wonderful friend. Her name is Tabitha, but she goes by Tabby, just like the cat, but better than the cat. And she is sitting with us today. And I'll share a little bit about Tabitha. So Tabby is from a small unincorporated town in Wisconsin, where the most booming businesses are the local bar and the hot air balloon takeoff pad. Sounds like a fun town to grow up in, right? Uh, While growing up in the country, Tabitha really had an appreciation for nature, which then led her to a degree that she actually didn't anticipate going into. She was going to become a surgeon and then realized that she didn't think about the human existence in the same way as we do. Uh, So Tabitha will tell us, you know, a little bit about that. But when she was doing her bio for us, she talked about how the average person views human existence in the anthropocentric way, and she didn't. So she decided to go into biology and get a minor in chemistry, and she pledges to be a voice for animals who cannot speak, conserve the environment in any way possible. She is currently finishing up a master's degree at NC State in entomology. She is our bug girl. Okay, if you ever want to know what a bug is, a spider is, did you get bit by something, you ask Tabitha. She will tell you. And she will come save the spider from your house instead of murder it. So she's our bug girl. She loves spending time in the garden, hiking, flipping logs, looking for insects. She's got her two pups that she loves going outside with and taking trips and finding hiking trails and just spending time with the people that she cares a lot about. So welcome, Tabitha. Oh, hey there. Oh, hey, girl. She's also our our guru makeup artist. So Tabitha came over in full, like, Halloween eyeshadow. Full glitz and gay. Uh, you know, it's great. We're actually having a little thing tomorrow, too, but I got a little surprise Ooh, for that, too. So excited. So for those of you who know me in our personal or professional life, I'm not really into makeup as much, and it's not because I don't appreciate it. I just don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I tend to not do it, more or less. And I also just have no patience for it. Tabitha was over the other weekend and she was like, would you be offended if I bought you eyeshadow palettes for Christmas? And I was like, no, just don't be offended if I don't use them. I will. So she she came over background. I I, ha- I hoard makeup. I have way too much. It's embarrassing. And it's funny because if you know me, I'm actually not that girly on days <laughs> that I, I don't wear makeup. I'm very low maintenance. Well, and, I, you know, we also don't have to genderize makeup. That's true. That right? absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're so right. Um, but so, yeah, when like that is just my escape when I'm feeling artistic because I can't draw for shit. So <laughs> let me tell you, like, I'm like somehow... I can get a winged liner to look good some days. And I'm just feel like I am like motherfucking Van Gogh right now. Yeah. So yeah, the you face just is do your palette, yeah. not a canvas. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Tabitha, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So like what you said, I, oh, I grew up in a really small town, which I mean, it could be a little isolating. Um, so about halfway through 
um, elementary school. My elementary school closed. What? Um, there was 42 kids oh from God. kindergarten to fifth grade. <laughs> and it closed. I thought I grew up in a small town. That is that is very tiny. Yeah. So we had like two grades per classroom. Um, I, I kind of loved it because it was it was small. Like you knew all six kids in your grade. About third third grade, um, they were like, yeah, we're closing. We can't afford to keep this school, but no, no, duh. Um, and so they shipped us off to Watertown, which was our um, closest in our vicinity. And I showed up and my fourth grade class had like 35 students. Oh, wow. And I went from seeing that many kids in my entire school to now that many in my class. And I remember my very first day, and I, this story literally haunts me, but it's my favorite <laughs> to tell because I feel like it really like set the tone for what I was dealing with. I got there with my like two best friends and we're sitting on the playground and like they were fashionable. I hit puberty <laughs> in fourth grade. I was awkward. Oh, I no. was so greasy. I started getting boobies and like just didn't know what to do with them because like, you know, we didn't have human growth and development at that age. <laughs> and so I was just, I was an awkward kid. And so we're sitting there and this very beautiful man comes up to, man, boy, he was a boy. He comes up to us and he goes, you're cute to my friend. You're hot to the other girl. And he looks at me and he goes, you're fucking ugly to me. And I was like, oh, my God, where did I just, like, go? Where this place is mean. And, yeah, so. So talk about shaping your young adolescence. Yeah. And so from that point on, like, I wasn't, I don't know. I, I kind of always dealt with, like, this weird um, deficit of having, because those um, girls then became like way too cool for me. And like, I kind of was like on this weird in and outs of not really having like a friend group anymore. And I was really close with my cousin until we like had this massive falling out in middle school. So I always kind of felt like I like floated through friend groups. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, like it kind of, it, it was a little isolating, especially, you know, living in the country. Cause it was like, I couldn't join sports until I could drive and, um, so like I loved living where I lived, but I do think it's shaped a lot of like your social development. Yes, yeah. exactly. And like, yeah. you know me, I'm like, <laughs> awkward as all get out. And like, <laughs> I don't know, I, I've, I've definitely grown into my own, but I've, I've dealt with so much social anxiety. I remember like being in seventh grade and like being afraid to leave my house. Like I literally almost was like an agoraphobe because I was so nervous that somebody would see me and they would tease me and I Aww. lived in nowhere. So it was kind of... Well, your fourth grade experience at a brand new school was that you were ugly. I mean, kids yeah. are awful. Yeah. I mean... Kids are so mean. I was greasy. <laughs> I was very... It wasn't your fault you entered puberty at a young age. Yeah, it wasn't on. <laughs> it wasn't my fault my mom didn't tell me I needed a padded bra until like years <laughs> later. <laughs> well, you, and you were talking too about this idea or maybe I'm, I'm projecting that, but about like first impressions, right? And first experiences. And so I'll tell the story about how Tabitha and I actually met. So again, she's from Wisconsin and we'll share a little bit about how Tabitha ended up here in North Carolina locally. But the first time Tabitha and I met was actually years ago, like five or six years ago, probably. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while and we have these things here in Raleigh, if you're familiar, and maybe if you have other if any of you are from other cities that may have this, we have what's called First Friday, which is an art-focused festival or event that goes on every yeah, Friday. Yeah, like night market. Yeah, since, and it's downtown here. And I guess I was with her and the guy she was dating at the time who, you know, she's now married to. And I was uh, not happy with something that was going on with another friend. And so that friend was like, oh, you know, you know, Tabitha, this is Susan. Susan, this is Tabitha. And apparently I just like turned to Tabitha and was like, hi, nice to meet you. And then I turned back and started yelling at this friend <laughs> immediately. I was so intimidated. <laughs> and I'm also like just low key afraid of powerful women. So it was it was it was kind of like one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, who is this? <laughs> and then I I met you years later when you started dating Josh, your current partner, and you came over to my house and you were like, um, I'm so sorry, I have to leave early. I'm going to a church thing, and I was like, excuse me, who are you? <laughs> I'm sorry, did you change bodies since the last time I met you? Yeah, and so it, it's funny because now we're like we're so close, and so. I do think that is like, it's like a first impression thing. And it also comes back to like, just so like dealing with so much social anxiety and like how much it gets in the way of like these relationships you really could be having. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about 
so you, that's you grew up in Wisconsin, super small town, ended up going to a much larger, it sounds like public inner city school that you had no experience city, with. 12,000 people. Quote, unquote, <laughs> your version of, a, of an inner city. Wisconsin. And then how did you end up here? So, yeah. So I, um, about halfway through undergrad, not even halfway, I just decided, um, you know, I was pre-med, I was going to be doing all these great things and like making, you know, every family wants a doctor. And so um, I was I was basically like doing it to prove people that I, I could, right? Um, I, I like to show really, your worth? Yeah, I was really hard on myself. Um, and then, gosh, I was sitting like halfway through a conservation course and I just looking at this destruction that is humankind mm-hmm. on on this entire planet. And I'm like, I, I can't. I can't vouch for people. I kind of hate them. And it's funny because like, <laughs> I have a shirt. My mom got me a shirt that says I hate people. And it's like literally one of my favorites. Yeah, we suck. Yeah, we do. And so I was like, I, I can't be, as you said, like anthropocentric. Like, I don't see life that way. I don't see how we need to make room for us as much as we need to preserve the things that, that can't. Uh, speak for themselves. And so, yeah, about um, halfway through, I had, there was a little flyer on my organic chemistry desk, go to Costa Rica. And like, it was a conservation of the environment volunteer course. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this a try. I'm gonna do this. Um, like this gonna, resonates more with my interest and my soul. Yeah, and see I'm if this go. is really like, can I do this for a living? Yeah. And, um, I actually, I had the wonderful opportunity of doing sea turtle research. Wow. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great. I actually got pneumonia, which is it's funny because I'm, I'm coming off bronchitis right now. So I'm like, I'm just full circle. <laughs> I just always get sick. Um, but there I met my wonderful now husband um, and he was also volunteering. He was on a different thing, but we ended up um, meeting in this adventure tour part and I can't say we immediately clicked. Um, this, is, this is a funny story for anybody that knows us. Um, I didn't like him that much when we first met, but then we started talking about music, and it was like, oh my gosh, this guy likes this crazy, insane music that I like, like down to a T, and it's not very common. It's not like pop or anything. So it was cool to t- connect with that. And again, I guess first impressions, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm the worst. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, well, talk about being from... You're from a small ass town. Was this your first experience really going somewhere like Costa Rica from Wisconsin? It was. It really was. So um, I am grateful. My parents have a place in the Bahamas. And so I got to go to the Bahamas okay, that's right. every year. But it was once they found it, they never, we never went anywhere else. Yeah. And so I grew up every year going there, which I'm so grateful for that opportunity. But like it's a resort style you're not, not super really, immersive. Yeah, you're not like seeing the culture as much as you can. So yeah, so this was I I got the, I got the thick of it for like yeah. really culture shock and gosh, I cried the first night because there was like three cockroaches under my bed, which is funny because I'm an entomologist, but I now hate you'd love that. No, no, you do. You do hate cockroaches. I do. I hate yes. them. They're that's the a worst. caveat I didn't mention, y'all. You cannot call Tabitha Don't. for cockroach removal. Murder it. Murder it with fire. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just decided. Um, through this trip, I, I needed to do something different. I wanted to focus on biology. I was seeing firsthand some of this destruction um, in the mangrove forests with these sea turtles, and it really resonated with me. And so my lovely current boyfriend got me to move down here. And um, or current boyfriend, current husband. <laughs> Shit, we're married. Boyfriend at the time but, of now. Yeah, Is yeah. that still weird to say? It hasn't been that long. No, yeah, it's been about... What, five, six months? I can't do math. I May know. is five. We're in 10, so five. Yeah, five months. Um, I Yeah, I changed my major to biology, which was, it was a little bit scary after this because I went from, you know, knowing I was going to make buku bucks, not like buku, but, but you like wanted to be a, a doctor, right? Job. Yes, I yeah. wanted to be a surgeon nonetheless. And so I went from, you know, knowing my career path was going to be another 12 years in school, um, but I would come out ideally making money. Um, you know, there's always a place for surgeons. And then um, just kind of gave up and, and did this biology thing, which, you know, underappreciated major, seriously. And like, you can't really do much with it if with a bachelor's degree. So I moved down here. I ended up um, getting a job at a crop protection agency, which was great for a little bit. 
um, but kind of peaked, uh, not peaked because there's plenty of people that go on with a bachelor's degree there. I just wasn't given the responsibility I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. And so I ended back up in grad school and now um, got an amazing opportunity to get a master's in entomology um, at NC State, woo, woo. which is actually like NC State's either the third or fourth in the world for no entomology. Shit. Which is crazy. If you saw our facilities, you'd be like, how? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who ranks us this way? Yeah. uh, What's the criteria? (laughs) Yeah. I I, I was like, y'all are not seeing the amount of mold in our buildings. Oh, no. (laughs) Just kidding. But also NC State, get it together for entomology. Um, (laughs) What is, tell me, and you might be about to tell me this, but I'm interrupting you right now. What is the focus for a degree in entomology? Sort of what do people go on to do? Right. So there, there's like a handful of things. It's, it's funny because um, one of my favorite professors, he always says, entomologists are not entomologists. We're biologists as a whole. We're wildlife biologists. Okay. Entomo- like insects are the basis for everything. Birds eat them. Right. I mean, the they're bottom of the food Detritivores. They're, they're doing everything for us. We, we can't survive without What bugs. is the word you just said? Detritivores. What the hell is that? They eat like, you know, leaf litter and decompose oh, They don't teach us that. Yeah. Well, you know, entomology. That's, that's what they're there for. I don't know. Um. And so, so a lot of people can do like forest protection, work with invasive species, um, really where like uh, a lot of the money goes to is crop protection, which is what I'm currently doing. Um, I actually really wanted to go into forest conservation because, you know, that's what I was, you have these beautiful dreams of like really impacting the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see it like in your undergrad class and you're like, I'm going to save the rainforests or right. the forests in here. We have like the hemlock woolly adelgid and like killing the, you know, the trees and the mountains and stuff. And so I was convinced like this is um, what I wanted to do, but I wasn't going to pass up crop protection because I do know there is a lot of jobs in that. And um, also food's slightly important. Oh, <laughs> so, no way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you realize how many chemicals and go on to our agriculture, I realized like, this could be super important for conserving the environment in the same way. And so now I'm doing some research with natural enemies and like saving the good bugs that we want in our environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I do feel like I'm making a difference in the environment in the way that I want to. And it, and it does feel very fulfilling, um, but it's not entirely the path I thought I was going to take. Yeah. But I, I can find meaning in it. And I always, I always tell people that because they're like, oh, is that what you wanted to do? And I'm like, I find meaning in it. Yeah. But like, there's no way if you had asked nine-year-old Tabitha in fourth grade when she was feeling super socially awkward if she was going to be an entomologist. I hated bugs growing up. Yeah. I hated them. I was so yeah. scared. I didn't understand them until I took an entomology class and then I became less afraid. That's awesome. So Also, living alone will help you be less afraid because you have no choice but to kill them. Yeah, except in Wisconsin, we didn't have cockroaches. So that's still an adaptation. <laughs> like water bugs? No, here. water. Oh, God, that that is a whole colloquial thing. Y'all <laughs> call them all sorts of things. They are just big roaches. They are just gross. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're traumatizing. They because they fly and like most people are like, oh, something that big's not going to come at. No, it's going to like beam at your face and it's going to be disgusting and you're going to have nightmares, especially Truly. when you see one in, like in your bed and you're like, that's that's going to be Ew. on my body tonight. Ew. OK. All right. All right. <laughs> no more bug talk. Talk to us a little bit about. You were mentioning finding meaning in this career, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, Tabitha just gave us a handful of sweet potatoes the other weekend that we still have not eaten. They're in the pantry. They're good for a year. Um, But I love the idea of crop protection. And I do think, right, food's very important. It's a huge hot topic all the time. There's always something to do with food. I would love to always have a discussion off off podcast about how I'm actually not for organic. So if I was literally wants to about DM to say me, you have the unpopular opinion of do not go organic. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a whole thing. Conserve the environment. You know, there, there's that quote, if we were to grow all things organic, we would need to deforest three times the size of Texas to create more cropland because oh, yields are just God. not there. For the um, amount of people that we have. Yep. And the other oh misbelief God. is that organics are insecticide free. They are not. Right. There's actually, it's just like, a, it kind of makes me, and tell me if I'm wrong, I could be misquoting this, but like, isn't it sort of like when you take like a drug test, you're allowed to have a certain amount of a drug in so your body? So it's not so much that. It's, it's so, 
uh, I've given you an example. Permethrin is a naturally found insecticidal compound that you can find in the environment. Um, I'm forgetting what it's derived from. That's but um, None of us are going to check you on that. <laughs> I can promise you. Um, there is some hardcore organic person out there that's going to be like, I want to fight about it. Um, and so permethrin is permitted in organics. Permethroid is what we use in synthetics. So they're same compounds, similar compounds. One is allowed in organic, one is not. They're both insecticides. So, yeah, that, it is a common misbelief that, like, people just don't think that's in organics, but it is. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. DM us. Yeah, if y'all really want to hold us accountable or if you want to chat with Tabby, we'll tag her in the yeah. show notes. You can find her. Talk to me a little bit about or talk to us in the audience a little bit more about this idea that I think you wove in really nicely about experiencing sh- social anxiety and feeling socially awkward first impressions, you know, you had mentioned, you know, the, how you had picked up a makeup brush and kind of, I think, found some joy from that. Like, how has this been a part of your life? Yeah. Um, so social anxiety, really, it, it wound into almost like a sense of isolation and ended up bringing that dark monster that is depression. And I've, I've dealt with depression pretty much my whole life. Um, it's, it's, it's always been there. I just didn't know. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of like that thing, like growing up, people always say, uh, we need to talk about, we need to talk about mental health. We need to talk about it. But people were, but nobody was really understanding what they were saying. Right. Talking about it only does so much good uh, if you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Like just talking about it is great, but what are we doing about it? Doing something has to happen. Yeah. And, and I, I did grow up in a family that, um, and they're a little bit old school in the idea of like not recognizing the need for therapy or, um, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I would get that lovely, oh, you're being emotional or you're being sensitive. And and so it, it was a little tough and it, it didn't help when I wanted to isolate because, you know, I just always thought it was on me. Well, um, it just sounds like it was made you were made to believe that this was a you thing that you needed to deal with and how invalidating. Right. And again, I think many people listening to this can relate to having that experience with whoever took care of them growing up. Right. Especially if they grew up in the Midwest or you grew up somewhere where, again, therapy was not as uh, destigmatized, right? And so, yeah, they were like, oh my God, stop being dramatic. How invalidating, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and and it was one of those things where, like, I've had some um, trauma in my life and they were like, oh, like, you know, um, teachers were like go talk to the counselors but my family was like oh like we're not comfortable you talking about the counselors with this and and so it, it was it was it was a battle um and because I mean my parents have come a long way with understanding who I am in my depression now and it's like night and day from yeah. they're, they're great now and um but yeah and so seventh grade I hit probably my first really bad low and I mean this is before this was like the agoraphobia of like, you know, being afraid and being socially anxious and being afraid to go outside or go to events in Watertown because I was afraid I would see somebody and they would tease me or something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, something that only your like underdeveloped child brain thinks like everyone's out to get you, but like well, anxiety, a very serious right? issue. Yeah. yeah. Well, and talk about that anxiety bug, right? That makes you believe that everyone's behaviors are because of you. Yeah. Right. And how those people are treating you this way because of you. Yeah. And I, I always felt like guilt. Like I always felt like it was me and I, w- I was doing something wrong. And and I had like, you know, these experiences that were validating those kind of moments. And, and my first one came in seventh grade and it feels silly to talk about. But I think it's it's an important story to bring up um, in the in in my story. So um, my friends at the time, remember, I said I would kind of like hung around friend groups, but I didn't have a best friend, um, especially at this time. Um, so I just had like a group of friends that I, you know, I would hang out with, but like maybe not like uh, conjoined at the hip type thing. And so um, one of the couple weeks, something happened and like, they were all very middle school, like, we don't want to sit with you, oh, uh, talk behind your back, like, but you pick up on that, you pick on those nuances, especially when I was like, waiting for that validation that I was... You were constantly looking for it, right? When's the other shoe going to drop and these girls are going to turn on me? Yeah, so I was like constantly looking for this validation and I got it in this form of like, now I 
I was getting the cold shoulder from these girls that I, you know, were my closer group of friends. And I was in band. I play clarinet. What's up? Um, regular old Squidward over here. <laughs> I actually really love it. I, I just brought it home. Um, and so I was in band class and like, it was the hip thing to do. You're giving oh, me middle a face school, right No, now. middle school was like the cool time to play band. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm sitting in band class and I've been feeling so depressed up to this point because I feel isolated. I feel so low and I'm like, you know, now my friends don't even want to talk to me and everybody starts making the Star Trek, the little, what I don't know what that's called. There's probably a name for it and I'm so sorry, Trekkies. I probably I have just no really idea. Am I doing it right? Yeah. Okay. I, I like, meh. They're um, great for podcasting, right? They cannot see. So y'all, if you put like your pointer finger and your middle finger together and then your ring finger and your pink finger and yeah that whole yeah. thing so yeah. everybody started doing that and I was like oh hilarious I can't do it Boo, I don't know I, I felt like I wasn't in on whatever this was and I went out to the bus because got to ship the country kids back to the country <laughs> and one of my friends um at the time ran up to me and she's like I'm so sorry I didn't know what it was and I was like what are you talking about and she was like oh the anti-tabby club <gasps> and I was like what and she's like yeah you know like everybody was doing the Star Trek thing. <laughs> I have a gun. I don't know what it's called. Um, that's all like a sign of the anti-tabby club. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like literally flashing everybody who was doing it in band class, right? Like, like in a movie, right? Yeah. It's so like, uh, like everybody like that I thought were my friends. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like part I of this. I was the subject of a joke. joke. Yeah. yeah. And so I went home and I did not fare well. I basically this was my first part of considering suicide and this was seventh grade and so i i had been dealing with this depression for a while but it got really bad here and so i literally wrote my notes i put them in my nightstand for my mom and my dad and i went out and i laid in my front lawn country surrounded by nature, actually more like cornfields. Um, <laughs> Set the stage. Yes. Um, and I'm sitting there, I'm texting on my like QWERTY keyboard flip phone to like one of my good friends, Adam at the time. And um, I'm like, I, I can't do this. And he's like, please just like hang on. And I was like, I, I just don't think I can do it. Cause I, this is, this was everything I needed to validate that I'm not worth being here. And that's how it felt in seventh grade. Your brain's not ready for this. And so I was gonna, I was going to die by suicide that day. And I decided, I super romantic sounding. I actually made a wish on a dandelion leaf that I would give it one more day, mm. one more day. And if things didn't get better, I would do it. And I went to school the next day and that group of girls came up and apologized to me. And I didn't go through. <laughs> I, I'm here. Um, so, yeah, thankfully, yeah. but holy crap. And I, um, I actually have a huge tattoo of a dandelion on my back. And it's not just like a basic bitch tattoo. Also, if you have one, like, do you? Basic bitch <laughs> tattoos is like stupid anyways. Um, but yeah, so that's why I have it. Because it, it's a reminder to like keep hanging on. And so, yeah, that was my first really bad low and I knew this wasn't going to be like a gone and done thing and I I battled through this through high school um again anytime I felt bullied or you know bully feels like such a weird word to say um because everybody deals with some form of bullying well I feel like too you know speaking to that I appreciate that you said like it feels hard to say because again, it's sort of like when you think about emotional abuse, right? It's so hard for people to justify or quantify that because it's hard to see the evidence of. If you were physically bullied, there'd be evidence for it, right? Right. This, this tangible visual reminder like, well, yeah, someone punched me. You wouldn't deny that. But you're sitting here saying like, it's hard for me to say I was bullied because it's like, that's me, right? I'm interpreting that. Right. It is absolutely unique and individual to the person of was something harmful to you. Yeah. And, and 
oh gosh. And it was, it was always just this thing where I, I always felt like I was seeking relationships because I didn't have that friendship, that best friend, that person I had. Like, yes. And so I found it in like weird ways and, and very unhealthy relationships where I relationship hopped all through high school. Um, or I was, you know, one guy to the next, which also was more topic for ridicule. Um, oh, to yeah. any high schooler. Yeah, especially a small high school, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I was in these long-term relationships, but as soon as one ended, I was on to the next one because I almost treated my boyfriends like my best friends, like my confident that I needed. And because I just didn't trust uh, friendships or um, women friendships in particular because I, I had dealt with it in the past. And so, yeah, it, it was really isolating. And, and then... In undergrad, I actually had a similar experience. And I always worry. One of my good friends, uh, Kyle, shout out, he always says, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's like, if you you can meet one asshole and he's an asshole, but if you meet a bunch of assholes, it's probably you that's the asshole. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I've literally like, <laughs> I always thought about this because the same thing happened in undergrad. My first year, I went to Kent State in Ohio. Literally, sayonara, Wisconsin, got as far away Please. as I could. Tried to go someplace that I knew nobody else would go. It sounds like you were trying to do the thing that you thought you should be doing to tackle some of these quote-unquote demons that you were having. Like, okay, like I clearly need to start over somewhere. Yeah, I wanted a fresh start, but the same thing happened. Because we hadn't dealt with anything. Yes. And I, I made very toxic friendships, and I fell into the routine of being with a, a very wonderful uh, guy who was not ready for my mental trauma and baggage. And um, I'm, again, like, he was great, but, like, we weren't meant for each other, obviously. Um, And so things just got worse, and I ended up moving back to northern Wisconsin, Eau Claire, and moved with a high school boyfriend of mine because I fell back into what I knew. Mm -hmm. And um, Familiarity is safe. Yes, yeah, and... We, we moved in together as friends and like, you know, whatever, back and forth until we realized this just wasn't meant to be. And lo and behold, some relationships later, I'm with Michael. Um, we met in Costa Rica. We're now long distance while I'm, I'm graduating. And this is, this is where my I've been better story really comes in. And I know what you're thinking, like, Dude, your whole life sounds like I've been better. Sorry. <laughs> right? You're like, wait, don't invalidate the last 20 plus years of your life, please, till like fourth grade. All right. Yeah, Michael was like talking about this and with me yesterday. And he was like, well, like, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, well, I can't very well sit down and been like, yeah, my whole life is, it's been, a, you totally I've been can. better. You totally can. <laughs> but that's what it feels like when you, you battle depression and, and you don't face it head on and you don't really have that support group to help you figure out how to navigate it. Mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, um, I'm now isolated. I lived by myself. I had a random roommate that didn't work work out. She caked makeup everywhere in my bathroom, which is a nightmare. (laughs) I love that that's what you brought up. She's like, we did not work out. The girl did not clean up her makeup. No, she did not. And like, you know, that's important to me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I can clean up my own damn makeup, which is like 20-fold. Anyways, no, she, whatever, it's fine. So, um... I ended up moving in a friend of mine that I worked with at Family Video. Uh, Shout out. I worked at Family Video. It's Wisconsin people. Um, That was a booming business. This is, and like people are like, oh my God, this is probably like 2007. No, this was 2015. Wow. Shut up. Yeah. So 2015, um, I'm working at Family Video. I move my uh, friend in because I'm, um, like, okay, random roommate didn't work out. I know this person. This this will be better. But I started getting gloomy because I'm in this long-distance relationship. I don't know what to do. I've never battled any of this other stuff, and I'm feeling all these stressors from school. I'm a first-generation college student in my family. Um, like, every unknowing 18-year-old, I basically signed my soul away to student loans, um, not knowing what it was. First-generation student, my parents were like, oh, yeah, like, 
I don't even know what the freaking loans are called. See, this is like, I'm a mess. I, sh- I should not have been given permission like to do this. Like the Sally May loans? Oh, yeah. Sally mm-hmm. May owns me. Yep. She owns me real good. Um, and so I have, you know, all these loans that I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Like, uh, I'm not worried about it. Again, 18-year-old me should not have been given ability to do this. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm feeling imposter syndrome. I'm feeling isolated. I have just depression and mental imbalance, most likely. When you have anxiety and self-doubt, right? Right. Because you just told us that you were talking with other, let me rephrase that, that you'd been experiencing toxic relationship patterns over and over and over again. And if you just said like, again, first generation college student, my parents didn't really understand mental health and how to treat it. So then clearly I wasn't seeking help or how to treat it. I thought I had to do this. And now you're in a long distance relationship and then to add that a very serious thing that nobody talks about that affects so many wisconsinites uh seasonal depression i was like what are you about to tell me right now the love of cheese (laughs) no no (laughs) um no it is seasonal seasonal affective thank you affective yeah so that is a very real thing in Wisconsin. There's a reason Wisconsin has nine of the 13 drunkest counties. Oh, wow. People drink to cope. Yeah. It's, I mean, it gets dark, it's cold. It'll be weeks where it's, you know, negative 20 and you just, you can't leave or you, well, you can't leave because life continues on like it does here. Um, but it's just cold and it's miserable and it's, it's dark. And it, I know a lot of my good friends that this really impacts and it, and it definitely did not help this situation um, of what I was dealing with. And so I kind of looked to what I knew. I mean, um, Michael, my husband, when we were in a long distance relationship, you know, he was great. Honestly, like it was tough. It was really tough, but we made the most out of it. It was, it was a good fond memory for me. Like we had our Skype dates and it, it was romantic, but like when it wasn't that it was lonely and I basically live by myself. Um, my roommate, I tried to open up to and talk to and tell him, like, I'm not doing well. I'd wake up, I would stare at a wall, and I'd stare at that same spot for hours, days, weeks, just not being able to get out of bed. Um, just a really dark spot. Ooh, not getting emotional. I, like, sat down in this chair, and I was like, how vulnerable are we going to be today? And so... I looked to my friend and I was like, I'm, I'm hitting a really bad low, my roommate at the time. And I was like, I need to go for a drive. That's what I would do to, to blow off steam in Wisconsin. It's beautiful to drive around. And I'm, and I'm, it's nighttime and we're driving and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling so bad. And he's like, his response, I don't know how Michael deals with you. I couldn't fucking handle it. You remind me of my ex and like that didn't work out. That's what he said to me as I was literally battling like severe depression, like thoughts of suicide. That was my support group. And I didn't know what to do other than like just keep sticking through. And then um, Michael came to visit me and it was, you know, uh, probably around the same time. And we were talking, we had a lovely time and everything was great when he's there until he's about to leave. And I'm reminded that all these things that I'm suppressing, I can't suppress anymore. And so we're in the car and I, I don't know, I like word vomited all these anxieties to him. And it's an hour and a half drive to the airport because it's the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, and so I'm talking to him and I'm, and I was like, I have so many student loans, like I feel worthless. This is why like student loans are a trigger for me. They still are. And you've seen me firsthand, she's seen me, um, have to walk away from a student loan conversation because I'm still not there. Like they're they're such a trigger. Um, And so I I talked about these student loans and I'm like, they're eating me alive. Like I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And, you know, I've changed career paths. I'm dealing with all of these stresses, all of these unknowns, as well as untreated depression. And I didn't, I didn't know how to respond, but I, I basically dropped off him at the airport and I left and I texted him and I texted my mom and I was like, 
I can't, I can't do this anymore. I am, I am a, a succubus on y'all's existence. I am making it worse for being here. And it's so isolating when people say it's so selfish to want to die by suicide. And when you, when you get in that low, you're like, no, I'm doing everyone else a favor by doing this. And so I, I texted Michael and I was like, I'm so sorry. You, you deserve better. I texted my parents. I was like, I, I don't want you to have to worry about me and my student loans and being a failure. And I, I drove to a country road in the middle of bumfuck Wisconsin. And I stared at a bridge and I was ready to drive off the bridge and, and end my life. And it's, it was so, I don't know, like so dark. And so it's almost like you had tunnel vision because you can't let any positive thoughts in. You're like, this is it. And I'm getting texts and calls and I'm ignoring them. And I have probably some email bullshit playing on the radio. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I can't see anything else. And this is at a point, remember, throwback to, to me having envelopes in my nightstands mm-hmm. for my parents. I did this. I always had envelopes in my nightstands when I got in Lowe's in case I ever went through with it. And there was envelopes to them, to my brother, to, to Michael, in case I, I went through with it because I never wanted them to feel unexplained as to why I did it. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, this is it. And I don't know what, but I decided to answer one phone call from my mom. And she's like, please, please don't. And I'm bawling uncontrollably. And I don't know why I thought back to that damn ass dandelion moment. And I was like, if I can get through one more day, maybe tomorrow will be a little bit better. And I did. I drove away. Um, I I feel horrible for what I put my family through, for what I, I put Michael through in that moment. And I, I know I induce trauma and, you know, we're all working on this together. And I am so grateful, so grateful for Michael because he comes from a family. His mom is a therapist and he recognized like, no, this stigma of like you not needing therapy. And like, I, I know what's going on here. Like it's killing you. Yeah. And he's like, you need to go therapy. And I did. And it might have well saved my life, you know, at the time. I really liked my therapist, but it almost felt like I was paying for a friend. But like almost like that's what I needed. And I don't know if he was a good enough therapist to know that, but like that's what I needed. Um and I I mean, I'm here. I still deal with these demons all the time. All the time. Um, but there's no more notes in my in my nightstand. But nobody should open my nightstand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sob, like tears. It's like that's the part that gets me, and then she's like, "But please don't open my nose." <laughs> oh my Girls, you know. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So depression. It's it's a bitch. It's a real bitch. That's putting it lightly. Yeah. Um. And I do. I go through down swings, and Michael recognizes we're together now. I mean. Married five, locked five him months. Down. <laughs> I locked him down. Somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and he knows if, if I get in these, these waves and it gets hard to get out of bed and he's great. And, you know, I have the support group like a couple of weeks ago, I went through a low and I reached out to you and I was mm-hmm. like, I need, I need to get out of the house. You know, it gets so isolating. You, f- you feel like you can't do anything, but I promise just get out of the damn house and just go see someone, just talk to him. Even if it's a friend, if it's therapy, you just, you got to leave those four walls because you get tunnel vision. Yeah, when you had texted me, you know, I I remember being like, oh, Tabby's texting me to go grab some dinner one night. And, 
you know, it definitely the work that I do for a living, you know, makes me a little more keen to when people may be needing support in my friend groups. And I went, you know, we went and met up for dinner and you were like, yeah, I just like things are not going super well. And like, I don't know, I know we're not like too, too close yet, but like, I want to be closer. And I was like, Tabby, I love you. Like, please don't hesitate. I also ever didn't want hesitate. you to feel like I was like trying to get a three free free therapy, therapy session because I was like, I just need someone to talk to. And I know I have good vibes with you, which is surprising after that first meeting. <laughs> but no, um, no, I was like, I know, like, I, I've never had to, like, put on a face to talk to you because you're just a, you're a real bitch. And that's what I need. I need to surround myself with that. So, yeah, we'll take the advice from Bryce's episode previously. If y'all haven't listened to um, our episode prior to this one, but he says the harder the truth to tell, the truer the friend that tells it. Oh, that's beautiful. Damn. Right? He's throwing some philosophical shit in here. I ain't got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like this journey with depression, right? And I appreciate you saying that you still live with it, but it sounds like it's not in the driver's seat anymore. Yeah. I I'm I'm definitely more aware of it. It's and it's hard. Like it's it's it can be. Thursdays it's taken it's pedal to the metal, but I I know what I need to do and I, I can recognize it and I can't let it consume me. And yeah, it, it took a minute. And my family uh, now, again, my mom will call and hey, there's still those moments. What are you depressed about? And I'm like, that's not, how, <laughs> that's that not works. how it works, mom. Um, but yeah, you know, for the most part, they're they're great. And I can talk to them. And even even coming here, my mom and I are BFFs. Even coming here, I was like telling her I was going to tell the story. You know, she's a part of it, so I wanted to to give her a heads up. And she was like, "Yeah, if you can reach out to anybody that's in that position, like that's your story. Like you do, you do it." Because she knows. I mean, she she grew up watching this, and and again, a lot of people in Wisconsin probably also dealing with these demons themselves, and like just not seeking therapy or help. And don't be ashamed, because we all need therapy. Yeah, absolutely. So, how are you today? Um, recovering from bronchitis, <laughs> quite yes. physically. No, I am. Um, I am good. I I feel it, it was a little emotional for me to be able to tell this story, just because I can tell this story. I'm here to tell this story. I am medicated and feeling much better. I am going to therapy. Um, and really ready to tackle some serious trauma in my life. And every day is, you know, taking it as it goes. But I I know what to do if I, I get those shadowy, gloomy days. And there's, there's not going to be any long drives in the country with a bridge, you know? So. If you ever tell me you're going for a long drive, I'm going to be tracking your ass. I'm like, all right, we're coming, <laughs> following behind you. If you hear some, like, My Chemical Romance or something, <laughs> and I'm on the phone driving in the country, yeah, come find me. No, I'm, I am, I'm able to tell it, and I, I feel empowered to tell it, and it's crazy how isolating it feels, and I know how important it is to have a friend group and a support group to reach out to if you need it, and goddamn, if you don't have that, find me on Instagram, because... I will be that for you. I've been there. You know, a lot of people have been there and it's it's just well we need each other. It's this idea yeah. that you're supposed to be able to do this on your own. And yes, healing does have to come from you. Yeah. But you're not supposed to be able to do it by yourself. No. And God, like you have to to recognize that it's it's okay not to be okay. Absolutely. Isn't that isn't that a my chemical romance thing? maybe i you would know more than me. that would have went real full circle if it was it's also a book oh okay well but yes what else are you doing to take care of yourself so you mentioned medication and therapy you mean other than this fly ass eyeliner today makeup therapy no um yeah i mean it's yeah we we do those kind of things we we get out when and by we i mean i what am i english (laughs) um yeah I, i get out when i need to i have hobbies. Hobbies are so important. I garden. I am a grounding, right? Yes, I was going to say I'm actually a really big grounder gardener. I don't know if that's like the correct terminology, sure. but I gloves off. You always see me. I have dirt under my nails, caked. 
I'm disgusting looking, but it's because I need to feel some earth. I probably looked for a few bugs while I was doing it. Of course. Um, today, I saved six anoles oh. that were hanging out in our recycling. How is an anole? A green anole, a little lizard. Oh, God. Thank you. Yeah. We have those, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I surround myself by wildlife, remind myself that I, I got to be here for these these damn little buggies that can't talk and have someone to vouch for them to stay alive because... I need someone to vouch for me to stay alive sometimes, too. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Maybe plant some dandelions in your backyard. Well, they're coming regardless. Yeah, <laughs> They're weeds at the end of the day, right? Well, weed is a whole term that a lot of people find offensive. This is true. They're naturally occurring plant Actually, life. I don't think they're native, though. But oh. they make salads and tea and stuff. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know plants that well. I just okay. know bugs. Well, I think planting dan- planting dandelions would be pretty significant for you. Yeah. Just a reminder. And like you said, you get to look at one every day. And if anybody calls my tattoo a basic bitch tattoo, I'll cut you. I'm coming for you. No, I'm just kidding. This may be putting you on the spot for this, but do you have any words that you choose to live by that you'd like to share with others? No oh, shit. Yeah, you really threw me on the spot there. Oh, God. It's not like the Lorax speak for the trees, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I really do think it's like take every day as it comes. Because I think when you have depression, you you really don't know what you're getting into until you wake up that day. And when you go through weeks where it's bad and, you know, you never know. I'm I'm always waiting for that kind of like dealing with bronchitis, right? I'm like waiting for that day where I just wake up and feel better. It feels the same way when it feels like an illness. When you wake up and you're just like, when will these gloom, gloomy clouds go away? Mm-hmm. I always think back to that damn allergen commercial where everything's kind of like foggy and gray. That's what it feels like to have depression. And one day you're just waiting for your contrast to come back in. I don't know. Do you feel like now you're able to recognize more when it's coming? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sleep is my my first one. If I, if I have a hard time waking up, it, that's that's a big sign. Yeah. Getting out of bed. Sometimes I just feel like sleep is my escape. Yeah. So now you know what to do when you, you notice that happening for yourself. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So take every day as it comes. Maybe look for the dandelions. I always look for the dandelions. And reach out to people. Definitely. Tabby, thank you for feeling like you could share such a vulnerable piece of yourself with others. And as you and your mom both said, if you can touch anybody with this story, it's may save at least one other person from knowing that they're not alone. And even if we can't directly relate to what you're going through, somebody can, and you don't have to fight those demons by yourself. Exactly. Reach out to me. At the very least. Find us on Instagram. (laughs) Find us on Instagram. We'll argue about organics. (laughs) Thank you so much. Of course. Thank um, you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Absolutely. I'm so glad you were willing to do this. And I'm so grateful that you are still here. And I'm grateful that we found each other. Yay. Thank and you, you're Tammy. not mean. No. I'm not. <laughs> she's not mean, ladies and gentlemen. I might look real mean, but I'm not mean. Just got to catch her when she's real worked up. <laughs> I'm real passionate. I'm real passionate about stuff. <laughs> she's not mean, I promise you. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Catch me on the wrong day. You find out. <laughs> and Tabby, thank you. And please make sure that you're taking care of yourself today and always. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've been better dot pod.